Blog Talk Radio. Conference that we had this past February. 
and you will be enlightened. And another conference is coming up in August, so fun times, good times coming. But, you know, women of color and religious oppression, it's going to be an extremely diverse panel. Tika from Brickbat Review is the moderator. We will have A.J. Johnson, Mercedes Forbes, uh, Michelle Huey, and Georgina Chapatillo. And so, you know, those are our panelists. And it promises to be enlightening, encouraging, and educational. So, you know, make sure you tune in. Even if you can't catch it live, you can always catch the archives. And we appreciate your support and your motivation. It means more than you even realize. So, yes, subscribe to that channel. Follow us on Twitter. It's, a, you know, quite a few more surprises coming up in the future. So we just appreciate all of that. And April is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we will be putting together a panel um, talking about mental health care, awareness, um, the different challenges that communities of color face, especially with certain communities having such, you know, a disparaging view on mental health care or just health care in general. And for the most part, that was earned. But, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, how that came about, but what we need to do to turn it around and change some things because there are a lot of people out here that are undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. And it would just make their lives so much easier if they understood what was really happening there. So, and we have to break the stigma just because someone, you know, may be medicated or may be in talk therapy, that's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's nothing to use against someone to, you know, tease them or to mock or ridicule them. You know, part of that is discrimination, you know, um, ableism. There are people who discriminate people who may have some type of disability. So, you know, I'm already segueing into <laughs> our topic today, but I wanted to make sure that I talked about that and to also let you all got, let you all know that our conference in October, that's a go. You know, we posted um, some flyers around and have the event invite already uh, put together. I just haven't invited anyone yet. I wanted to wait until after tomorrow's um, webcast before I put that out there so people wouldn't get confused. So, you know, if you get a chance, just go to the People of Color Beyond Faith Facebook page and find the event. You can go ahead and join or maybe or what have you, but this is going to take place in Los Angeles, California, October 11th and 12th of 2014. And we have a wonderful list of people that are going to be speakers and panelists. And you can find all of that information on the page. So, you know, we appreciate it. We look forward to meeting you. Um, you we just look forward to all of this. You know, this motivates us. This gives us a little get up and go, you know, and we're excited because we're bringing this to you. This is for you. You know, and it's just wonderful. I'm just really happy with the developments that have happened. So, again, the name of the conference is Moving Social Justice Forward. Moving Social Justice Forward. And so we have a, we will have a variety of different topics, and it's just wonderful. So I'm looking forward to all of that. And today's show may only be for an hour, so I just wanted to give you all a heads up you're wondering, you know, why we cut it short. But we wanted to talk about Discrimination 101, just a basic, rudimentary freshman-sophomore class on discrimination and what it is and, you know, how it's applicable 
and who it's applicable to. And it's just really interesting. You know, Raina, would you like to talk about, uh, well, how about this? Let's start out defining discrimination. Let's do that. I think that's best. Yes. Um, Discrimination, and I'm going to give you all the legal definition of this. It's unequal treatment of persons for a reason which has nothing to do with legal rights or ability. Federal and state laws prohibit discrimination in employment, availability of housing, rates of pay, right to promotion, educational opportunity, civil rights, and use of facilities based on race, nationality, creed, color, age, sex, or sexual orientation. The rights to protest discrimination or enforce one's rights of equal treatment are provided in various federal and state laws which allow for private lawsuits with the right to damages. These are also federal and state commissions. I'm sorry, there are also federal and state commissions to investigate and enforce equal rights. And many of you all have heard of the EEOC and, you know, um, the Labor Board, um, Department of Labor. You know, there are different avenues that you can take um, when and if you feel discriminated against. And there are various forms of discrimination. You have, you know, racial discrimination. Uh, um, You have gender discrimination, discrimination based. And, you know, I just gave you the definition. But, you know, also add discrimination against immigrants, um, discrimination against um, people with disabilities, which is called ableism. And so, you know, there are a number of different things, and we encourage you to look at the, you know, do some research on your own to get a better understanding as to what, you know, discrimination may mean to you. But on the EEOC site, they have discriminations by type, and they have age, disability, equal pay compensation, genetic information, harassment, national origin, pregnancy, race, color, religion, retaliation, sex, and sexual harassment. And, you know, a few of you may be wondering what, you know, are they talking about when they say genetic information. And the definition per the EEOC is genetic information includes information about an individual's genetic test and the genetic test of an individual's family members, as well as information about the manifestation of a disease or disorder in in an individual's family member. Um, The medical history, family medical history is included in the definition of genetic information because it is often used to determine whether someone has an increased risk of getting a disease, disorder, or condition in, you know, um, in the future. So, you know, go out there and if you click on it, it, it will define each one of those. I don't feel that I have to do that today because you all are extremely intelligent, so you can do a little bit of research on your own. So, Raina, um, would you like to talk a little bit about what, um, <laughs> you know, what precipitated this particular broadcast today? Yeah, so um, for those of you that are unaware, <clears throat> um, there, uh, American Atheist, uh, you know, several weeks ago um, was, uh, was at the CPAC meeting, and, um, you know, <laughs> they were, uh, you know, talking about how the um, the CPAC uh, organizers had discriminated against them because they were atheists and whatnot, despite the fact that the C- the CPAC itself um, is an organization that 
actually promotes the act of discrimination of, of um, people, uh, you know, via the legal system in terms of, you know, immigration status um, and, and what have you. Um, they were there, you know, trying to, um, you know, trying to, I guess, integrate atheism into their, you know, platform for whatever reason. Um, and then uh, just this week, there was a story out about how um, Amanda Keith, um, and I forget her her position at a um, American Atheist. If if you know Kim, you know you can chime in. I don't remember. Okay, okay. And um, and Dave Silverman had walked into um, the TD Bank um, to get some papers notarized. Um, the notary, I guess they made some conversation with the notary about what they were doing there and who they were, and the notary, um, you know, excused herself and said that she did not feel comfortable um, notarizing these documents and that she would find another employee to uh, notarize these things. Well, this is, um, you know, this has sparked, like, you know, outrage in the atheist community. And, and while I don't you know, I, I don't dispute the notion that this is a case of discrimination. I think that we also have to think about levels of discrimination. People are touting this like it's some kind of, you know, um, some sort of big, massive civil rights call to action for atheists, you know. And, um, you know, like this, like this, like this moment is going to turn out to be our Brown versus Board, or something. Yeah. And um, right. and I I'm here to remind you that um we're we still have not lived up to some of the um some of the civil rights gains and or or, or or you know the the things that we were striving to achieve in the civil rights movement are things that we still have not have yet to achieve. You know, there are some places in this country where you can where you cannot find a bank to walk into exactly. to ask for something to be notarized. And a lot of those communities are populated by black and brown people. <clears throat> and so I just as a as a black person looking at this entire situation, I am you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I kind of have to. I kind of have to roll my eyes a bit because I'm like, okay, so basically, the first notary said that she didn't feel comfortable, and though she should not have said that, should not have done that. See, she, it wasn't that they weren't going to notarize your papers at all. They were just going to pull the notary who was on her lunch break over to notarize your things really quickly. Okay, and the big deal is what? You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. <clears throat> you know, I mean, in the end, in the long run, you, you're you still getting your documents notarized. And so I think that there's a, uh, there's a lot of unchecked privilege going on in the atheist community. And, you know, um, you know, this, and just to go back to like the whole notion of the CPAC atheist or what have you, um, you know, there, there was some of that when, um, you know, when, um, <clears throat> Sorry, when uh, Dave Silverman was talking about, you know, there there may be a secular, you know, um, reasonings for, you know, abortion, anti-abortion, you know, position, 
And mm-hmm. while there are secular arguments, you can make arguments for anything. That does not mean that they are good arguments. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, right. And and there and that does not mean that they are they are arguments that are um, that actually promote the um, removal of rights or um, the uh, lessening of rights of of women. You know what I mean? Who are more than half the population. You know. Exactly. So um, I think it I think it's very interesting, particularly when I hear men, um, you know, make you know, make statements like that. Um, but particularly when white men, you know, go to CPAC, you know what I mean, who is, you know, pretty much on all, you know, levels, anti-woman, anti, you know, anti, uh, anti-black, anti anti-immigrant, you know, yep. anti-LGBTQ, which the AA, which AA and a lot of other secular communities <clears throat> Uh, tend to at least pay lip service to LGBT rights, that they would be there at the most conservative of conservative PAC meetings. You know what I mean? Not an RNC function, not, you know, not like some, oh, yeah, we're like the Republicans that are trying to, like, you know, fight for reason within the Republican Party. Like, no, we're just the people who, you know, we just, we want to basically preserve white supremacy. Right, they dislike anyone who isn't like them. Xenophobia at its finest. And, you know, what right. I find interesting is, you know, they're saying that there were a lot of closet atheists there and they wanted to, you know, um, converse with those people and possibly bring them into, you know, the atheist community and, you know, reach out for their support of that particular organization. And right. in my my response to that is we already have issues in this community that these major organizations have not um, dealt with. And you all have heard me talking about their silence being tacit agreement and just seeking out this particular brand of people, you know, they are now in my mind complicit. Right. And, and, because I mean, and, and let's not forget, and I was going to say, let's not forget that this is the this is the the pack that has voted um, voted Paul Ryan as its ideal presidential candidate for at least two years. Paul Ryan, who thinks Rand. Um, oh, sorry, Rand Paul. Sorry, not Paul yeah. Ryan. I hate him too. But in any case, okay. Rand Paul. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Kim. Look, Kim. Same difference. Same difference. Um, <laughs> I mean, when you come down to it, they're basically the same on paper. But um, right, exactly. But yeah, Rand Paul, who you know thinks that the uh, you know the Civil Rights Act, you know what I mean, basically mm-hmm. uh, you know has taken away the rights of you know of businesses to determine who they serve and how that somehow infringes upon their rights. You know, exactly. It's, it's insane. My question is, if they're they're going out to get these tea partiers and you know these you know um, you know what I call rabbit libertarians and rabbit Republicans and bring them into their organization, what are they trying to do with their organization? What are they trying to build up? And you know, most importantly, how do the minorities in their organization feel about that? And I think that's very valid because what I think they're doing is total. Oh, shit. So I mean, 
slip, you know, it, it makes me wonder what direction is this organization going. And we've made, you know, references to other situations that were extremely questionable. And they were mm-hmm. saying or you know, trying to reassure people that our observations were, you know, invalid or, you know, out of context or, you know, whatever type of reasoning that they were trying to use. But now you're going at the people who have made it clear that they do not like blacks. They do not like immigrants. They do not like LGBTQ. They don't don't really care for, you know, people that are disabled, but, you know, they can't necessarily come out and say that because many of them own companies, and they will be setting themselves up for an ADA lawsuit. You know what I mean? Right. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's, it's really interesting, you know, how all of this is coming about. And while it's, you know, we're sitting on the outside looking at what they're doing, I mean, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes, and then for him to make a comment that he has never met a homophobic atheist, that is not the I'm sure he's never met a racist atheist, according to him. You know, <laughs> maybe, you know, well, come on now. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember him saying that, so I just said no, maybe. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just laughing. No, don't, don't. That's more so for the people at home listening, so they won't, you know, say, she said, and I was like, I said, maybe. You know, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, you know, 50-50, how about that? Simple math. But it's just interesting, you know, how I just feel that, you know, just sitting back and watching and making some forecasting on my own as to the direction that that organization is going and some of its membership. And it's going to be really interesting to see how um, many of the atheists of color that fall lockstep in with this organization, how they're going to deal with that. Because, I mean, if you're already at conferences going off saying we're here, deal with it, what are you going to do in the future when they let these people loose? Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to ask more potent questions than what are you and your black organizations going to do about black-on-black crime in Chicago and all of these other major inner cities. They're going to ask more direct, more pointed, more inflammatory questions. If you weren't ready for that question, you're not going to be ready for these people. And these are the people that basically can buy and sell you. What are you going to do? Well, my whole thing, my whole thing is too, and there's a, and and I think that you know when you look at the atheist you know community, um, you know despite the fact that the majority of the community leans liberal, you know what I mean, according to the secular census, you know what right. I mean. There seems to be, there does seem to be some some issues with racism and, you know, not that liberals can't be racist. I mean, you know, there's this notion that we have that Democrats or liberals cannot be racist or progressives can't be racist. That's just simply not true. But, um, you know, there seems to be in the prevailing society, you know, this notion of post-racialism that we've talked about on several occasions. And, um, you know, and, and now, of course, we have data that shows that, there are a lot of white people who are now of the opinion that they actually encounter more racism towards them than they see racism towards blacks and other groups, minority groups. 
And, you know, part of that is because um, it, it basically allows, you know, um, Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson's father, Earl Ofari Hutchinson, wrote a brilliant article on this sometime, I think, must have been last year, maybe in July. I think it's on salon.com or something. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can post it later. Um, but he wrote a really good article on this last year. And, um, you know, where he basically said that um, this idea that they, that they suffer more racism is psychologically and socially comforting. So it gives them the feeling that they're not, that they don't have a racism problem. Um, right. And also, it also shields them from feeling, um, you know, from, and, 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 and that whole idea that they're not racist shields them socially. You know what I mean? Right. So when, so right. that when people are like, okay, but that's, that sounds pretty racist. They're like, well, no, I'm not racist. You know what I mean? But the other thing mm-hmm. that it does is it also allows them to go ahead and finger point at the black community and say, and blame the black community for problems that the black community had no, no, no uh, real hand in creating in the first place. You know, when we're talking about things like systemic inequality, you know, um, you know, the housing, the, you know, the uh, public housing crisis, the, you know, the, um, the housing boom that we had, you know, and then the, of course the bust, you know, uh, chronic unemployment, you know, low economic opportunity. These are not things that black people are responsible for creating in within their own communities. But go ahead. Kim. Exactly. Oh, you know, I'm just going to say I agree with you with that. And unfortunately, you know, even with some of the, you know, minority atheists that are, you know, speaking at these conventions and conferences. Yeah, but I was actually, I was, I was going to get to that, actually. You always skip ahead of me, Oh, okay. Kim. All right. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Well, I'll, I'll comment on what you just talked about. You know, and we've talked yeah. about this on many occasions on this show about public policies, and that's the dangerous part about this is that, you know, many of these people, these GOPers and libertarians, feel as though we should pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and that exactly. all of the issues that, you know, are that pertain to communities of color, we created them and brought them on ourselves. And everything exactly. was signed until the Civil Rights Movement and the Civil Rights Act that was signed, but before then, everything and everybody was honky-dory. And, right. you know... And we caused all of this trouble, and, and, and basically, you know, they don't understand why we have these special rights and special privileges. You know, just like there are some people saying that about the LGBTQ community, and it's not about getting special rights. It's about leveling the playing field and protecting people. It's about having a protected class of people because there are people who discriminate against these different groups. But anyway, going back, we did not create you know, um, the situation, um, you know, we did a show about, you know, um, public planning and interstate planning and, you know, redlining and all of that. A lot of this is by design. And basically they corral people into certain areas and make it very difficult for them to have gainful employment, to have educational opportunities. Um, In some cases they switch to public transportation around or if it becomes a blight, you know, to the city, they'll put a highway or something through there and force everybody to relocate. And in many situations, Mm -hmm. many of the 
people are forced to rent because they can't get the loans. You know, they had the redlining, they had discrimination in the banking system, and we didn't create that. We did not control that. And, you know, even those problems persist to this day. So when they talk about this perpetual cycle of poverty in communities of color, this is not something that we created. And as soon as we get in a position where they had to right some of those wrongs and, and people of color started advancing and prospering, now it's a problem. And what a lot of people don't understand is capitalism works when you have slave labor. If you do not have slave labor, capitalism will not work. Mhm. Yep. Agreed. But um. So yeah. So in in bringing that up and bringing up that this this idea of you know white people facing more racism and whatnot. This is this has been a tactic of the far right to mm-hmm. uh, you know to chip away at the the gains that have been made since the civil rights movement. Um. In terms of you know trying to um chip away at affirmative action, trying to chip away at um, the use of, you know, race in um, admissions decisions, um, you know, to, you know, the Voting Rights Act, you know, and, and the way in which they've, they've, they've basically gutted that. Um, it's right. been a tactic to basically say that black and brown people and other folks are getting special rights and special privileges, which they weren't. They, it was redressing the fact that exactly. the, the voting system prior to the Voting Rights Act a, a, allowed for states to actively discriminate against people of color, not necessarily writing into their their laws black people or Latino people or whoever cannot vote, but making it difficult that they couldn't, doing things like, you know, having a, a tax a poll tax, you know, doing things like having a literacy test, you know, mm-hmm. doing things like having, um, you know, uh, well, and other forms of tests too because some of the tests, um, I think there's actually one version of one of the tests that was given in one of the states for the, um, for the thing. It's so confusing that there, are peop- that there are geniuses today that might have problems trying to figure out even how to answer the question because of the wordings and things. You know, exactly. so um, you know, so so these things were not made to give black and brown people special rights. It was to protect the rights that they already should have had. Have had. But That's we, right. Right. But unfortunately, we live in a country that has actively discriminated against black and brown people, and so we had to create a law that would protect them. Now, the thing that most people who you know, uh, a lot, well, not most people, but a lot of people don't understand about the Voting Rights Act is, is that it, by its nature, it does not give black and brown people an advantage. It, gives, it protects everybody because there are, low exactly. class, there are lower class white people who are also protected by this, by having, um, have, you know, having had access, for example, in the past to, you know, things like early voting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Early voting right. does, I mean, early voting certainly helps helps out, um, you know, people who tend to vote more liberal because those people tend to also be poorer, you know what I mean, and they tend to have nine-to-five jobs, you know what I mean? Exactly. And having, having access to early voting allows those people to find time in their schedules in which to vote. Um, you know, having things like that, having, you know, 
access to other uh, others other ways of voting, you know, turning it in by uh-huh. mail, you know, and what have you, has allowed has opened the democratic process, and we should be concerned with opening the democratic process. But because there is an anxiety in this country about the browning of America, um, you know, because there's anxiety in this country about um, about sort of the social, you know, climate or the culture of this country, and some people would like that to be continue to be predominated by, you know, European or white Anglo-Saxon, you know, Protestant values, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, there, there tends to be this pushback. Like there's too many things changing too quickly. And, um, right. and it's unfortunate, and it's unfortunate because we also see some of those same attitudes, not all, on the atheist side. And we saw some of that even with some of the leaders, the so-called leaders of the atheist community. And while there are, there are things that I can appreciate Christopher Hitchens for, Christopher Hitchens also demonstrated a lot of those things, particularly in his dialogue about Islam and 9-11. And um, and his and his support for the um, the war in Iraq, you know, um, you know, pretty, you know, you know. I mean, he didn't say the most disgusting and the most vile things, but a lot of his, um, a lot of the basis for what he was saying was based on a lot of those same sorts of anxieties, um, you know. And you see that in some of the rhetoric of some of the other people in this community who like to pit the West against other cultures, you know, oh, well, we have more Nobel laureates in the West than they do. Well, when, the, when you consider the fact that the Nobel Prize is a Western invention and that, course, there's, and that there's a considerable amount, and there's a considerable amount of bias in terms of sex and, you know, and, and you know, um, in terms of, you know, institution, you know, and any other type of, you know, discrimination that you can think of built into that system. It's in, in that there is... There is a good old boy system in place within the Nobel, you know, prize system. You know, um, you know, there have been some notable exceptions, you know, to you know, to some of the winners and things that have come about. But in general, um, where you know, where science and you know, medicine, you know, and what have you come come, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, there has been there has been some some obvious, you know, discrimination. Right. Um, right, and so we have in the atheist community a lot of people who are who are engaged in in doing that and making and making these excuses um, for why it's okay to discriminate, you know, and under the guise of it's not about color, it's not about race, you know what I mean? Right. When it exactly. when it clearly is, it's about preserving a particular race, but we're not going to say that. We're going to make you think that it's. It, well, we'll say that only in relation to our calls for diversity. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Which are you know. vacuous at best, you know, and, right. you know, especially in this community. But, you know, I'm going to go back to something you were talking about, you know, the Voting Rights Act. And when the Supreme Court struck down Section 5, no organization out there said a word about it. But when, you know, the Supreme Court made its decision on DOMA and, you know, those situations there with the LGBTQ community, everybody released a statement, 
you know, and it, it's just interesting. And for those of you that are out there, you know, with Section 5, and I'll explain what Section 5 is real quick. It, you know, basically Section 5 was used to bar certain states and cities, uh, mostly in the South, from changing their election laws until they first received federal approval because of, you know, how they discriminated it with the gerrymandering and all of that stuff. They had to get approval from the federal government, you know, and basically the jurisdictions had to prove that their changes wouldn't make minority voters worse off. And and now that's pretty much gone. Their next, you know, target is going to be Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And for those that aren't familiar with that, basically Section 2 is, you know, basically the core remaining prohibition of racial discrimination in voting. And it bans practices that make it more difficult for minority voters to participate in a political process and elect representatives of their choice. Now, the reason why that is important is because, you know, it not only hurts minorities, but it hurts students, it hurts um, elderly voters, you know, and it may basically people that have been disenfranchised in some respect or another. And, you know, we have to keep our eye on that. But, you know, what I find interesting is, like we were saying earlier, there are a lot of these issues that are being ignored. And, you know, it's just... It's just, wow. That's all I can say, you know, when I think about, you know, some of the things that have been happening in this community. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, um, you know, the whole the, the whole situation with, um, you know, with this, you know, the atheist community now acting like um, atheists are the most oppressed and atheist, um, atheist rights are now the... Um, you know, basic and fundamental, ignores the fact that we still have, you know, a long way to go with ensuring the rights of people, uh, of, of black and brown people, of LGBT people, of, you know, disabled people, of trans people. Uh, well, I said LGBT people, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, that there, we, we have a long way to go. And um, the the fact that the atheist community is engaged in this um, dialogue about, you know, atheist rights and so on and so forth, it, it, it kind of just resembles a lot of what's going on within CPAC. And so it's it's not all that surprising why they would be there. Um, but one of the other um, – but we, we brought up the fact that um, CPAC and a lot of white people are now of the mindset that um, – that they suffer more discrimination than others and um and that how that gives them sort of license to point the finger at people of color and um right. if you notice a lot of that goes on in the atheist community um mm-hmm. one very popular um or one uh documentary that's sort of gaining popularity amongst um, some circles in the atheist community is um, contradiction, and um, contradiction uh, definitely fits this narrative of pointing the finger at the black community for um, its issues, um, basically telling us to bootstrap um, and what have you, um, blaming the problems of the black community essentially on um, one of the one of the arguably one of the most uh, or the most uh, 
important institution in many in many communities of color, which is the church. Um, mm-hmm. The church is <clears throat> the church has been um, you know it's been it's been I think largely positive for Black people. Largely, right. it's been a positive a force for good in the Black community. But right. there there is an issue in the Black community around. Um, around prosperity preaching and the prosperity gospel um, that that is of concern. And um, but it's not just black communities that are dealing with the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is popular throughout most of the United States. Um, it, exactly. what, what makes it so insidious in, in the black community is, is that black people are, you know, they tend to be um, less well-off economically speaking. And in communities that, um, offer few economic opportunities and, you know, have, you know, plummeting land values and what have you. And so churches are able to um, acquire, you know, sizable assets in some cases. Exactly. And the interesting thing about that, and, you know, we've talked about this, you know, not only in, you know, conversations that we've had, but even on the show, the thing about it is that, you know, these mega churches and some of these larger churches are not addressing the real issues of the black community. They just have people, you know, basically rubbing on their Bible like it's a damn genie lamp you know, hoping that, you know, this magical blessing will come up out of nowhere. Um, and, and the thing about it is that they're not addressing the real issues that pertain or that, you know, explain, you know, what has happened in the black community and that can address those things and correct those wrongs. And I'm seeing that from the atheist community as well in general. And, you know, you have some people out here talking about social justice, grassroots organizations, community activism, but, you know, unfortunately with some of these people, they're not addressing the issues because they do not care. But when they do address the issues, like, you know, you were talking about, you know, the documentary there, you know, they're blaming, you know, the community for its own state of degradation, if you will. And that is not necessarily true. And the thing is, is that, you know, the people that made that particular video, they're secular. They're black nationalists. And Mm -hmm. so they're not Christians anyway. So they do not necessarily understand what they're chipping away at because, you know, it's just interesting. Well, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a Christian, to be fair. The yeah. other, the, uh, yeah. One of the other individuals that was involved in the project was not, but right. um, but you're right. Oh yeah, I mean, but he used to be a Christian, but you know what he adheres to now is you know a particular mindset. You're right. You're right. And and his and his and his nationalist mindset is very homophobic, and that was one of the things that I focused on in my in the article that I wrote about him. And since he's taken and and since then he's actually taken down. Um, one of the videos, one of the most damning pieces of evidence against him and his homophobia. Um, but it, it once existed, and, um, you know, and just simply deleting it is not uh, evidence of your unapologetic, I think he put it, support of the LGBT community, which I nor anyone else has ever seen. Um, yeah, but apparently evidence? when you Does take down... No, I said since Sorry. everybody else is running around asking for evidence, where is the evidence? 
(laughs) There's none. Um, (laughs) There's none. He has none. He has no evidence that he's ever supported the LGBT community. But what we, but you know, I guess when you take down, you know, hateful videos, you can get invited to speak at national secular conferences, despite the fact that you're still a homophobic bigot. But you know, that's how it goes. I guess that's how CPAC atheists roll. Right, Kim? <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone in the chat room, they said, besides slavery and integration, the black church has been the biggest failure of our community, and I beg to differ. Slavery, we had no control over that. We had no control over Jim Crow or Reconstruction or the black codes and, you know, the lynching and all of that. Um, house slavery a failure to our community. We did not implement that particular institution. Integration. I think they were saying everything but that, though, Kim. I think they were. I think they yeah. were giving credit to the church for yeah. for the abolition of slavery and for the civil rights movement. So I think I think those but, things are not what they're questioning. I think they're they're questioning the other problems in the black community, which I still would not blame on the church itself. You know exactly. what I mean? Because the church did not create those situations. As we exactly. stated earlier. They didn't situations, but the thing is, is that in many cases, um, the church, yeah, Christianity wasn't our choice. That was forced upon us. And, I mean, but the thing is, is that Africans had a sort of spirituality. They had their own spirituality, which they incorporated into Christianity, which is why you'll see them doing a circle dance and, you know, a lot of other things. However, um, basically, you know, with the black church, that was the only place that, you know, blacks could actually congregate without arousing suspicion. And this is how the right. civil rights movement was able to move forward because the black church had the ear of the people. And the civil rights movement was a secular movement, but it was, right. you know, supported by the black church. And they incorporated, you know, they worked together to advance the community. And we're going right. to have to do that again now. You have people in the, the, the atheist community that, that do not want to work with the black church. Sorry, most of the people are going to side with the church. So we have to find right. a way to work with them in order to advance social justice. But, again, you know, the black church has been a community center. It's been a social gathering place, the watering hole, if you will. It's been where people could go get assistance because they couldn't get it anywhere else. Let's just say hypothetically if, you know, the black church just went away, where will the people in the community go? Who will they be beholden to? And with them, you know, basically, you know, um, dismantling the Voting Rights Act, wanting to, you know, basically dismantle the Civil Rights Act, we're going to go right back to where we were. But it's going to be worse because they won't have the church, at least that type of escapism, you know, whereas we can talk about our issues. Because even now outside of the church, you know, there are a lot of people that fear us meeting and gathering together. So what do we do? What is the secular community doing to help these communities that are disenfranchised? I haven't seen anything. I've heard lip service. But I haven't seen anything. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is that the organizations that are trying to advance social justice and help in the community, you know, basically, you know, we have to beg for money or for donations to, to bring forth some of these programs. 
whereas if it's something like utterly ridiculous, people will give money for that. How did they raise over $15,000 for someone who was an able-bodied person who lost their job because they wanted to try atheism out for a year? Like it was a damn test drive. But people that have legitimate organizations that are trying to help the community, they can barely get 1500 How does that work? And so, you know, it's just interesting. And another question that they brought up, why should we support the LGBTQ community when this is destroying our community? How is LGBTQ destroying our community? We've always had LGBTQ people in our community. That's just that's just a ridiculous question. It's not even worth spending time on, Kim. To be honest, obviously that person in the chat room is a is is a homophobe, and we don't have time to deal with that. But and you know, I mean, obviously, obviously there are black there are black members of the LGBT community. You know what I mean? So let's 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 let that go. But um, but yeah. So the the point of all of this is is basically to 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 say that you know um. That people like Jeremiah Kamara, people like American Atheists, people like Dusty um, Smith or whatever, Cult of Dusty, you know, they they are uh, engaged in this rhetoric that wants to blame the black community, but particularly the black church, for its problems. And um, somehow that by getting rid of the black church, that all of their the the problems of the black community would be solved. And this is one of uh, Jeremiah Kamara's central themes in his work, that somehow that the church effeminizes black men, which according which which tells you something about how he thinks about women in general. You know what I mean? Right. That that effemi- that effeminizing a man is first of all a problem. Uh, and then second of all, that the church is engaged in doing this, you know, on a large scale. Um, mm-hmm. And that the and that it's the effeminization of black men that actually is holding the community back, despite the fact that we have a culture that is, is that is very masculine. Um, you know, despite the fact, you know, whatever you may say about the number of single par- single mothers who raise children or whatever, the community is still patriarchal. It's not, patriarchy mm-hmm. is not you know, is not really what's going on in the black community. What we are seeing are, are women, uh, single women raising children. That does not make yeah. matriarchy. But um, in any case, um, you know, he's <laughs> he blames the church for all of these things, and he's very, uh, he has this very, like I said, very homophobic, you know, track in his, you know, in his dialogue. Um and, and in his essays, the things that he's written himself, you know, so um, it, it just it just ma- it just goes to show you that in this community, people are willing to, um, you know, to do whatever it takes to attack, you know, the church. Um, exactly. You know, to the point to the point that they will they will invite speakers who go against their stated values like mm-hmm. supporting the LGBT community, but you're inviting a homophobe to speak at your national convention. I find that interesting. But, no. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, and, you know, how all of that, you know, is coming about and is not being 
you know, addressed. And, you know, again, you have people out here saying that atheists are the new niggers. And, you know, and it's interesting. And then you have people making videos saying, black Christians, are you really that stupid? And these are white men. And Mm -hmm. you have any black atheists or atheists of color that are agreeing, um, you know, you know, with these particular sentiments. And what's happening is this is opening the floodgates for people to be able to attack the black community. And, you know, when we defend the black community and certain things, you know, we have people that will, you know, call us apologists or what have you. But, again, if you do not fully understand how we get to the state that we're in now, you know, I really don't think you should really be speaking on it because, you know, one particular person, you know, speaks on the quote-unquote pathology of the black community, but they do not say anything about the quote-unquote pathology of black nationalism. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. some of these guys that will go and, you know, spread their seed all over the place and have all of these children and take care of none of them, and then they rail against, you know, the welfare system, but they're not taking care of the women that had their children. So how does that work? How can you be, well, be I mean, just, you know, I'm just using that as an example. But again, I know. I, I wanted to go back, though. I wanted to go back to what you were saying about uh, the white men mm-hmm. attacking the black church or whatever. This goes back to what right. I was saying, again, about the finger pointing at the black community for its own problems. And part of, right. part of white supremacy, um, white supremacy is always, you know, always framed blackness or or, or you know, other races as the problem or as being problematic, as something that needs to be solved. You know, slavery was a, was a, slavery was a system that they used to build themselves up economically. But they also justified slavery as saying that they were, they were uh, civilizing black people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? With this, with exactly. this uh, very uncivilized practice. But it's exactly. always about talking about blackness uh, or otherness in these very um, as as a problem. So when right. you when you notice that these people are always talking about blackness as a problem, always talking about black people as being stupid, or talking about black people as being um, incapable of reason, you know, or, um, or having Tom. a lack of reason, yeah, or being exactly. Uncle Tom. These, this is a signal, this is a red flag, or should exactly. be a red flag to you, that these are people who do not have the interests of, black, of, of the black community at heart, that this is more about their own internal racism and less about helping the black community. And, and, and this is something that you must understand um, when you're looking at these things. The, the documentary contradictions plays... And the documentary contradiction is it is gaining popularity in some of these circles precisely for that reason, because it poses it, it positions the black community as a problem that needs to be solved. And if we took these churches out of the equation, that somehow these communities might have the light of reason to shine on them. And therefore, you know, come out of you know all of these issues with poverty and crime and all of these other things. Like, it's going to be magically solved. 
But exactly. It won't be. The truth, as a matter of fact, is going to be multiplied. And, you know, I'm just going to bring it right back to center. You know, what I find amusing about, you know, these charges of discrimination in, you know, in which the notary didn't, you know, stamp their piece of paper. They were upset because their right, white privilege was challenged. That's what it all boils down to. I don't dispute that, but yes, this is this is this is where we are in the atheist community. This is this is what passes for discrimination, you know, not being able to get the uh, notary of your choice or the first notary that you encounter to stamp your paperwork. You know, I mean, how dare right. she go and ask the other notary to to stamp your to stamp your uh, paperwork? You know, how dare you walk out with the second notary's, you know, stamp and not the first notary's stamp. How dare you, you know? Right. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's just interesting, you know, and it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, how dare you not stamp my piece of paper. But the thing is, is that it got stamped. The other notary came and Mm -hmm. stamped it without an issue. Now, if she was the only notary there and she refused to do it, then that's a different story. However, they still had their papers stamped, and they went on about their business. But basically, you know, how dare you refuse me? How dare you tell me no? How dare you? I'm not used to to anybody telling me no. So who do you think you are? Right. Let's not let's not talk about the fact that we can't find that there again. There are some communities where you cannot find a bank, where all you have are check cashing places. You know what I mean? Let's talk about exactly. the fact that low income low income workers are 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 being switched over from checks to these you know to these cards, these you know um, these little uh, prepaid credit cards with these high fees. You know. In some cases, you know, let's 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 talk about those types of issues. Let's 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 you know, let's step away, let's step back, you know what I mean, from our privilege and consider, you know, all of the other people in this country, you know, who who walk into banks and have good credit, but because they're black or brown or because they have a name that you know the teller or the the loan officer can't pronounce that they're given uh-huh. subprime mortgages or subprime loans, you know? Right, exactly. Let's talk about exactly. those issues. Yeah, let's talk about, you know, the check cash in places in the community, you know, when they don't have access to the bank or access to the privileges of a bank, if there's one in the community or they travel to one, let's talk about the check cash in places, let's talk about the pawn shop, let's talk about, you know, the, you know, black market loans that they that they get at usury rates, you know, paying 20 25% per month. On whatever loan, you have a check cashing places, you have the title loan places, you can find plenty of them. Mm-hmm. But yep. very few banks, if any. And so, you know, the whole thing is, is, is really interesting, you know, when you're looking at it. But, you know, like I said on a show either last week or the week before, you know, white people have discovered racism and sex, I mean, racism and discrimination, and they're claiming it for their own. And, you know, they stole it fair and square. 
And it's just really interesting how the tide is, you know, turning and how now they're, you know, basically placing themselves as, you know, the one being discriminated against, the victim, if you will. And right. that is not necessarily the case, especially, you know. It's still it's the same the- mentality. I was going to say it's the mm-hmm. same mentality as the white man's march. You know what I exactly. mean? Same mentality. Exactly. Diversity, diversity equals genocide, you know. We used to be, you know, we used to be 100% of the CEOs. You know, at the Fortune 500 companies, you know, right now we're exactly. now we're a few percentage points less. You know what I mean? Exactly. This is you know this is this is why they're having problems. It's it's the country is it's changing. You know, and that's not to say that racism and discrimination are not a problem. I think if you've been listening to this podcast, that you you would know that that is not our position. But things are changing. The face of America is changing, and that face at some point in this country will not be uh, majority white, you know what I mean? And that, for a lot of people, is very scary. Exactly. See, you know, um, it's just interesting, um, you know, how – all of this is, you know, coming into play, and um, it's just it's just interesting. Um, like I said, you have a lot of people coming into this community still with that religiosity mindset, which is what makes certain groups dangerous. You know, it was one particular atheist group that was being black atheist group that was being recognized by some of the white organizations. And they were some of the biggest homophobes. And when people, you know, when they when it was brought to their attention, then they wanted to repudiate them and say, well, we have nothing to do with them. And there's a couple of particular people or leaders in the black atheist community that were once locked up with these people. But once it was, you know, once the white organizations or white people said something about them, now they're distancing themselves from them. But yet they're working with people who are closely affiliated with you know, these particular groups. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting because, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just really disappointed, you know, in what's been happening. I don't know. I would, have to have, I would have to have hopes or faith in this community to be, be disappointed. <laughs> I just see what's going on and I laugh because I don't, I don't have any faith in this community doing, I don't know, the right thing. I just don't. You know, right? Oh yeah. So I can't, I, I can't be, I can't be disappointed because I don't have any, you know, faith oh. in this community at all. So yeah, and I'm just laughing. I have to address this in a chat room. Yes, there is a difference between sex and gender, and no one is indoctrinated by a so-called gay agenda and lies, and there are. You know, some women that are masculine, there are some men that are infeminate, and I would recommend that you take an anthropology class so that you can understand and learn the difference between sex and gender, how there is historical context for that. But anyway, Kim, you are are so much nicer than me because this person is obviously an idiot. And they are obviously not interested in learning any of anything about any of those things that you just talked about, because if they were, they'd be busy on Google 
you know, or being, you know what I mean? Right. And not saying that dumb shit out of their mouths, you know? And, but see, the thing is, is that this is what we have to deal with. So basically, besides having to interact with black Christians who do not understand us or black Christians who reject us or some of the progressive, liberal black Christians that, you know, welcome us, we have to deal with some of these issues, you know, with other black people that, have this nationalistic type of mindset, and it's just wild. And besides dealing with the white community in the different, you know, areas of that, you know, a lot of the atheists of color, we have to deal with a lot of different things. This is not easy. This is not easy. So I understand why there are some black atheists that will not call themselves atheists, will not, you know, be a part of the community, and they still attend religious services or what have you, because it's easier to be on that side of the fence. It's to right, be accepted, right. be activated. And then you come up here and you think that it's a more liberal, progressive community. And, you know, in the past few years, what I've been exposed to and what I've seen and been privy to some of this is just absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible, you know, but again, it's a mirrored reflection of society at large, and so you know it it, it should be int- it's interesting how you know oh, balancing the energy here we go anyway, so it, it's just, um, <laughs> stop reading just, the chat room so <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help Stop. it. It's like, don't anyway, read the chat room. Stop it. Going back to what I was talking about, you know, it's hard, you know, being in this community because, you know, I'm out. You know who I am, you know, and just out there in the public, I have to deal with this in employment. I have to deal with this on a number of different levels. This is not easy. And, you know, what I find interesting about, you know, what's been happening in the community at large is is this direct mirror of the church, you know, and I've apologized because there were things that I once attributed, you know, to Christianity because of my experience. And I've come over here and experienced the same thing and more and worse. So it's it's just, it's really um, interesting. And, you know, I just find it um, humorous and entertaining at best. And, you know, some of these people out here, um, it's, it's just, it's wild. And especially the ones walking around that are pseudo-intellectuals. You know, um, you know, not everything started in Africa. Not everything good came from Africa. Black people, all not all black people came from Egypt. Civilization does not necessarily revolve around Egypt or Kemet or whatever you want to call them call it. And, you know, interesting thing, but anyway, let me stop looking at that because we'll end up being... I keep telling uh, you to stop looking at the damn chat room. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, coming back, you know, know, about this discrimination thing, um, you know, being, you know, serviced by another notary to notarize your piece of paper is not like being told that you can't eat in this restaurant because you're a person of color. 
you know, right. not be serviced by one particular notary is not the same as being told that you were, you know, you're not qualified for this job. Even though you have a master's degree, a Ph.D., a J.D., and the person you gave the job to is only a high school graduate white. How does that work? Right. So you know, it's not the same as it's not the same as the statistics that show that uh, that white people with felony records are more likely to be called back for jobs for job interviews and jobs than um, black people without criminal history. You know, it's not like you know the uh, you know the education and employment and, and other forms of employment discrimination that people of color, trans people in the state of Maryland, they just passed a bill. You know that would protect you know trans persons in employment and housing. Um, you know there that a lot of that still goes on. You know, and yeah. just because you don't experience it does not mean that it is not valid or that it is not credible. You know, right? Un, un, exactly. I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, I, I, you know, it's just the case. It's, Unfortunate. Okay, it's not unfortunate, but this is. I'm sorry. Just stop calling discrimination. You know, stop calling discrimination when there is, in fact, no discrimination going on, and and stop uh, acting as though these these minor slights that you're that you're facing as atheists are the equivalent of discrimination that people of color and LGBT persons and able and and you know disabled people deal with on a daily basis. The statistics are not with you. You know what I mean? The facts are not on your side. Exactly. Just, you know, just, I'm sorry, just suck it up. You know what I mean? Right. Suck it up. Exactly. 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 And it's just, it's funny to me because it's like, you know, it's, it's entitlement. They're not used to being told being told no, and mm-hmm. someone said no to them, but they accommodated them in you know another respect. They found someone else. Imagine you're being you know a person of color, and you go into the bank and they turn you down and tell you if you don't leave that they're going to call the police. Mm-hmm. So you have no options. Mm-hmm. That happens. It happens often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just interesting, like you were saying, that there are levels of discrimination. And there are. No, that woman, you know, I don't know why she turned you down, whether it's for her, you know, um, ideology or what have you. You know, she felt uncomfortable. Again, that is her stamp. The state authorized her to notarize papers. Now, you know, I'm not familiar with the laws in that particular state. However, she didn't want to service you, but they accommodated you by finding someone else who did. And the thing is is that, you know, TD Bank, that's an investment bank. So someone has a TD Ameritrade, you know, account. So it's just it's really interesting. But how about this? Let's make another scenario. With you know, with that, it probably was a free notarization or a dollar or two, max five. Mm-hmm. In right. neighborhoods of color, when you need to have a piece of paper notarized, they're charging twenty, twenty-five, fifty dollars. Right. 
Oh, I mean, and again, that is her seal, and she can use it in any way she sees fit. I mean, like I said, I don't know what the law is in New Jersey, so I don't know if she if she has the right ever to refuse somebody or not. Um, but in, in in either case, you were still accommodated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, you know, you went to TD, and then you went to Bank of America, and then you went to, you know, uh, you know, uh, what, Wells Fargo, you know what I mean? And you could right. not find anyone, you know what I mean? Right. Some people, there are some There are some people who might listen to this podcast and they'd be, Wells what? You know what I mean? Right. TD who? You know what I mean? Right. They've never seen those names. They don't know, they've never set foot in the bank. They've never opened right. a checking account. Couldn't open one. If their lives depended on it. Do you understand exactly. what I'm saying? So it's like, exactly. for me, it's like, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, for I was going to say, in a bank account. Yeah, so we're dealing with, we're dealing with a, a, a sizable amount of white privilege, but, but mainly class privilege. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 right. and that is another thing that is is taking place in this community as well. Particularly when you have things like, you know, people talking about they want to have book drives, you know, atheist book drives for prison. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand that part of why a lot of people go to prison is because of lack of access to quality education, which means that a lot of the people that you're going to probably be sending these atheist books to are functionally illiterate. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that, and that a lot of states, and then, and then a lot of states have eliminated some of the educational programs, but particularly mm-hmm. those that would allow them to seek higher education behind bars. And you're going to put these atheist books in their hands to do what? Do you think that somehow that's going to eliminate recidivism? Exactly. And and, and the interesting thing about it, because like I said, we've talked about this, and, you know, we laughed at them then. And the thing is, is that most of the people in the atheist community do not understand evolutionary biology. So how do you expect Mm -hmm. these people who may or may not read at the third grade level to understand that? Really? Right. And then we have one particular, you know, atheist that said they wanted to start their little, you know, prison, um, not necessarily ministry, but a prison program in which, you know, they wanted to go in and, you know, do what the churches do, but, you know, build a relationship and go in and entertain and talk to and encourage the prisoners. Now, if it had been anybody else, you know, I, you know, I probably would have paid attention, but I think this person was looking for new dates. But that's another story. But, um, you know, um, well, you know, and it is just, it's just, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, you know, I'm laughing. Yeah, you know, I can't act right. But um, it's, it's just, you know, I'm just looking at all of this, and you're going to go into the prison and do what? to teach them their ABCs, or are you going to go in there and talk to them, you know, you know, give them a session on, you know, eroticism, because that's about all you can do properly. But um, it's just the whole thing. Stop it, Kim. Is, Bad Kim. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the whole thing is interesting. Um, 
and there is no game plan. They don't know where they're trying to lead people to or what they're trying to get people to do, and that's one of the disorganizations that I see in the atheist community. You want to lead people away from the church, but lead them to where? Anarchy? Mm -hmm. There is no organization. There is no set agenda, if you will. You're just trying to get them away from religion. Then what are you going to do with them? How are you going to address their needs? Because, um, like I said before, the GOP, the Republicans, are tricking the church, and the, trick does, I mean, the church doesn't even see it, because they're trying to shift all of these social programs off of the federal government and put them directly on these nonprofit organizations, namely the church. And the churches are not equipped to handle that. And it's all going to fall apart, and then there will be nothing. And the secular community has not, you know, um, positioned themselves to deal with the community. Right. Mhm. Mm mm mm. Crazy. Exactly. Exactly. It really is, and so um, it, it, it's just interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's. You know, it's just interesting um, how um, this, I'm just so disappointed. Like I said, I can't be disappointed. <laughs> I just right. laugh. But um, anyway, Kim, it's been great having this conversation with you. I hope that maybe we change some folks' minds today. But, um, I doubt it. And I apologize I for being a little distracted by the chat room because it's like, you know, it's like this is unreal. And I'm sitting there, and now they're saying that we've bought into the academic interpretation of sexuality. And, you know, my response was, so the street interpretation is better? You know, and it's you just know, it's not about the academic interpretation. It's about the facts. You know, exactly. sexuality is not is, is fluid. It's not binary, you know. We we in, we as human beings like to you know have these categories. You know, it helps make us feel comfortable to have things that we can put into discrete categories. But unfortunately, sexuality is not one of those things. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting. But anyway, guys, we're getting ready to shut this down. We thank you for joining us today and. We appreciate it. I want to give a shout-out to Doc and Val in Atlanta with Compass 120 Apparel. You can find their information at compass120.com. And we just appreciate them for their support. And, again, tomorrow and we're doing the also, webcast. Mm -hmm. And also, if you want to support a, a good documentary, an, uh, an awesome documentary that actually has some nuance, perhaps you should check out Black Church, Inc., which is focuses exactly. primarily on talking about the prosperity gospel churches or the mega churches and their impacts on the black community because those churches are actually having a very negative impact while there are other churches the smaller churches you know that are actually doing really good work in the community so exactly you know. exactly you know if you want to watch a real documentary that's the one you want to see Anyway, yeah. tomorrow, um, the webcast, 
11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can catch it live on YouTube or over on Google. It will be live. And we thank you guys for your support. And if you want to support, you know, a real organization that's doing real work, um, support, you know, Dr. Sakibu Hutchison's Black Skeptics Group. And, you know, they have the WLP program, which is Women's Leadership Program. They have the First in the Family Humanist Scholarship. They gave away five scholarships last year. They're giving away five this year. As a matter of fact, I posted the application information um, that was in the Morningside newspaper, and I'll try to post it again today if I can remember. you got to remind me, Raina. And, you know, if you want to donate to them, you can't blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. That's their PayPal. And they are a 501c3, so it is tax deductible. So, again, we thank you, we appreciate you, and we thank you for the support. And, you know, keep the inboxes coming, keep the emails coming, you know, phone calls, because I've received some phone calls. And so, you know, I appreciate you. So on that note, we will see you next Sunday, not tomorrow Sunday, but the Sunday after that, which is, what is that, the 5th? Hold on. Don't make me lie to you. Let me pull up a calendar. That is the 6th. I was one day off. So see you April 6th, and um, I'll be posting information about that show in about a week, and we'll go from there. But we look forward to hearing from you all tomorrow and seeing you guys when we talk about women of color and religious oppression. So, on that note, we're done. We appreciate you, Raina. You have a good afternoon, my dearest. You do the same, and uh, and same to our audience. Have a great day. Take care. Bye.